on this episode of AV Week, the right to repair and Teams versus Zoom. Is there a winner? All that and more coming up on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is episode 624, Fixing the Collaboration Wars. It's me, Brian, and this is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of all the news in the audiovisual world. I am your host, Brian Heidjurkin, and Tim is off lollygagging again, so I get the host seat. With us here this week, we have Brent Walker. Brent, I forgot to get your title. I know that you have a very long title there at Kierkegaard. <laughs> sure. I'm a partner of Integrated Systems Design at Kierkegaard. Oh, you've shortened it up because on LinkedIn, it's much longer than that. But It's, it's uh, longer because I was serving a principal role, but we had Clay Benning join us from the Alliance Theater in Atlanta as a principal. So now I've got somebody to do principal work for me and I get to focus on partner stuff, which is good. That's, that's so much nicer, isn't it? Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And joining us is Bill Natris, Director of Consultant Relations with BiAmp. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Brian, and good to see you, Brian. Good to see you too, Bill. He's in one of those fancy little huddle spaces that uh, we keep hearing about. How's the privacy? I, actually, it's 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 pretty impressive. Uh, uh, I can't tell you the name of the company I'm at, but uh, it is actually a new facility. It's been open for about a year, and uh, we've been going through and doing some usability testing and focusing on how our technologies have facilitated into this newer style of, of architecture so but that's not why we're talking today so <laughs> i might swing it, some stuff in but <laughs> absolutely but it's interesting that is a, is a real quick side note i went up to uh, neocon for the first time in chicago and seeing all the furniture and the ideas and the fact that everything is sit stand now um i think is a is a is fascinating to me i'm waiting for sit stand boardroom tables to where you know we, we can have <laughs> 32 people standing around a table having a meeting just to get that meeting moving a little bit quicker. Would you even have a table? You could, yeah. I mean, Nobody's yeah. ever had a standing 15-minute board meeting, though, Bill. Exactly. Well, that's, that is very true. That is very true. So. I've tried. And, yeah, it's, it's, not just a, it's not just about the furniture either anymore. It's It's – turning the workplace into a destination instead of being a workplace. And, and there's a lot of changes happening from the architecture and interior design side of things. And the technologies have to adapt to it as well. So, Sure. Well, we learned that from COVID, right? People hate going to work. Oh, wait, 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 wait. They hate going to the workplace. Let's say that correctly, bro. <laughs> So uh, that's a great start, actually. I love that. Um, uh, the first topic we have um, on on the docket for today is a right to repair. Uh, Microsoft this week announced that they're going to have more parts available on their store to fix their Xboxes and their Surface devices. But um, it, it doesn't really pertain to our industry and our technology. 
but fixing things does, right? When I got into the industry 20 plus years ago, we were still fixing things in-house. You know, we didn't have to send it out to have it repaired. And then over 20 years, that's become less and less and less. And now it looks like it's moving back into popularity maybe. And I, and I, 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 I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on this, obviously, but one of them is, is a lot of these devices, there's not a lot inside of them. You know, you crack them open, it's a power supply and a circuit board. And there's, there's really not much else going on. So the practicality of right to repair in the commercial area displays, you know, we can fix those on site. You know, usually it's a power supply or a panel that we can pop out. But, you know, we've always lamented the not having the ability to fix things. Do we think that's going to come back in the commercial market as it has somewhat in the consumer market? Well, I would, I think we're seeing across all kinds of categories are a push against disposability, right? And things Which that are good. fast, whether it's fast fashion or fast furniture, we're seeing a pushback against all of that. And the, the I, and we've also at the same time seen an increase in DIY across all sorts of things where people are doing things again for themselves. Inflation puts pressure on people to do things for themselves and the environmental um, environmental in, uh, sort of mindset of a lot of countries is moving towards reuse, repair, and the right to do so. So I think it's we're going to keep seeing this. I, th I don't think it's going to be limited to any one particular vertical, and I think it's going to come to commercial AV like everywhere else. And we're going to see this shift away from how you realize uh, profit or how you realized value from disposability to how you realize it through other means of support around the reuse repair of devices. And I think Brent is totally spot on. The sustainability aspect of this is critical. I, we, you know, I started my career in the eighties, you know, it was board swap and, and things like that. But, you know, late 90s and into the aughts, it was just rip it out and throw, throw it away. And that is no longer realistic. And we also need to look at the technologies that have changed. I mean, it's not so much a flat panel display anymore as it is a potentially a direct view LED. And that's definitely yeah. something that's a candidate for board swap type repair. And that's really where it changes. You know, what we did in the 80s and 90s was self-repair from a integrator perspective but then also the the break fix became a depot type thing where you would send the device into a uh, depot type uh, uh, environment third-party environment that the manufacturers used the repairs were made and it was sent back to you now we're going to transition probably to the board swap side of things where you know, the tile of the direct view LED goes down, you pull the tile, put a new tile up, and then the one that came off the shelf gets replaced by the one that was fixed. So that those types of things are going to occur. I, I think where the, the consumable side we need to really focus on is, you know, the reason for standardization on the USB-C connectivity was so that we could reduce cabling and little power supplies into the waste stream. I don't see that happening because when the cable breaks, it's going to get thrown away and another cable is going to come in. 
But what I am seeing is less cabling going into the environments. That then becomes the sustainable aspect because you're deploying less to start with. Well, and, and as the move to, you know, like you said, USB-C, but more and more it's Cat6, you know, it is connecting everything from your speakers to your displays. And so when you do an upgrade, do you, you know, do you need to re-pull that Cat6 from the rack room to behind the display or can you reuse it, you know, assuming it's still in good shape and meets all the specs that's necessary. So there's, there's some potential for savings there. Um, also, you know, we tend to go in and especially in high use cases, completely rip out and put all new in to where sometimes some of that gear still has some years left on it. You know, is that a potential to knowing that you can do a, a swap out or, or a quicker repair than we have historically? Um, you know, does that let you keep some of those older devices running longer? Considering the manufacturer I work for, we just finally killed a product line in December of last year that it was 25 years old. Right. So I totally concur. There's, <laughs> there's, but you know, we also experience, and you know, some of the other shifts that are going on is, is we see the, the uh, care and feeding contracts going on out there where, you know, they're building the environment, they're financing the build of the environment, then they're doing the caring, feeding, and maintenance of that building for X number of years post. Well, the, what's the refresh cycle? Well, the refresh cycle could be five to seven years for computing devices. And if they could gain not having to refresh amplification and, and distribution scenarios and things like that, yeah, they're definitely going to defer that cost. And that reduces what's going into the waste stream. Thus, repair becomes even more important. The ability to, uh, you know, swap a device, send it into a depot, get it fixed, bring it back in. I'm not certain it would ever reach a self-repair level, though. It, it may be a skilled technical staff doing that repair. Uh, you know, I am aware of, of some corporations that are actually going back into laptops and even replacing things inside of laptops. Uh, whereas in the 90s and in the aughts, they didn't do any of that. Right. So, And the school districts have learned that lesson with the uh, the Chromebooks. You know, most school most districts definitely. have rooms full of Chromebooks that have something broken. Um, but it's it's by design cheaper to replace that than to have someone sit there and swap a keyboard out on one into another one um, and and so then they just sit on them and and try and find a use for them someday later until someone decides just to recycle it. Yeah, and they defer until the summer months when they're supposed to have free time, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, excellent. Um, I, and I, I'm really excited about it because I personally, you know, as someone that just fixed their 12-year-old uh, wash machine uh, last week with a $23 part, I'm all for uh, that repair, uh, whether it's done by, you know, the end user or their partner, you know, having that uh, capability is is a pro, and hopefully more people take advantage of that. We, agree. I, I agree certainly. So, so one of the other things that came out this uh, recently, uh, AV Magazine had an article: Microsoft Teams rooms chosen by seventy percent of Fortune five hundred companies, and you know, we we were talking before the show. 
um, about everybody has uh, their opinion on Zoom and Teams, right? It's kind of the, the Pepsi Coke challenge of, of our time, you know, maybe the same type of a uh, cola war. Um, and, and I use both. You know, I, I think most people do, right? I know internally we use Teams, but I'm on Zoom calls uh, multiple times a week, still a couple of WebEx calls for the people that are still hanging out there trying to keep that one going. Um, so this adoption rate, is that, is that say anything about how great Teams is, or is this just, well, we're a Microsoft house, we've got Office, this is a small add-in, and it works? I would say it's the it's the latter, right? Like I'd love to know that 70% adoption, how many of those were uh, Google Workplace before and decided to move everything to Microsoft platform? I mean, there's a certain footprint that Microsoft has because of being a legacy player at, at enterprise. Um, but the product the product itself to me does not persuade people to make that jump. It's, it's, you know, it feels like, well, I won't, it feels like a certain manufacturer's products where people, people um, tolerate them because they're so widely used that you have to sort of tolerate them, but it's not out of some great love for the product, right? As a designer, yeah. Teams is, use, is almost useless to me because we can't draw. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, as just one point, but among the yeah. other things, the data hogging and, you know, I, I won't go on. <laughs> well, I, I think I think to your point, I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, Microsoft Office, I think is default, right? I know Google has been trying to break that for many years um, with getting into the, uh, the education market and hoping that students will grow up using Google's products, and then when they get to the, the workforce, they will um, put pressure to go to continue to use that. I don't know that that's working for them. I don't know of very many non-education-based companies that are using Google, outside of Google itself, and people that work directly for Google. Well, 501c3s love it. But that's because it's a cost savings. But... I, I think one of the things we've got to remember is is that, uh, you know, yes, an organization like Microsoft is going to capitalize on the fact that people are purchasing Office 365, or is it just called 365 now? I don't even remember. But that's not the same as Microsoft Teams Room. So you have Microsoft Teams, which is what you get as a part of the suite, and now you have Microsoft Teams Room, which is their certification program, and there's the validity, the metrics, the KPIs, the, the SLAs, and all the stuff that goes behind it. That's where, although Zoom has the same product, the real cost that the enterprise is looking at is the fact that I've already got the monitoring and management programs. Thus, I'm not adding any additional costs. Then there's another piece, and I'm bringing this from the manufacturing perspective. Uh, Microsoft has long mandated that to be Teams Room certified, you had to be able to be updatable via USB. So 
Microsoft, if you update in Windows 11 and have these accessories that are connected to it, Microsoft wants to be able to update those devices through their update services. The enterprise loves that. Right. Because now right. the enterprise can just get their devices updated without bringing in that third party to update something. And it's being done automatically through the Windows services update. Well, and that's been one of the strengths of Microsoft Windows, love it or hate it. You know, you can take a 15-year-old uh, mouse, plug it in, and it's like, oh, I got the driver for that. You're ready to go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so you get the two-year-old mouse that uses the old driver, and then you're in hell. But, <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it was perfect. I just said it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I realized this article was specifically about Teams rooms. But I always, like, when people are comparing Teams and Zoom specifically, it usually focuses around the video conferencing or the conferencing part. I, I know they both do have a chat feature. Um, you can do phone calls or video calls. Uh, you know, whiteboarding is pretty much guaranteed. But, you know, Teams has other things to where, you know, you have file sharing, which depending on your industry could be useful. You know, you can build Teams within Teams, which I get that's why they called it that, but I always find a hard time talking about those features. Um, are they are they really at, you know, are they the same product or is Zoom something that Teams can do on top of all the other stuff? And maybe it's trying to do too much right now and so it's not doing anything well, kind of that rule. Or, or are they really a comparable uh, uh, what environment? Well, I think Mike, Microsoft is going after super app category, right? Where they own more than one kind of function that you do beyond communication. Zoom is is communication app. It 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 does not give me the tools to manage a project, um, or or really go that far outside of the the meeting itself. Okay. <clears throat> so to me, they're sort of they're comparable from a from the standpoint of they both allow us to do video calls and to have collaborative communication. But I don't think of Zoom as being a platform or headed in the super app category. I might not be paying close enough attention to what their strategic goals are. I am seeing in the marketplace that when it is about the user experience, they tend to move more to Zoom. And when it is about the collaborative and team project building, like Brent said, it tends to go more towards teams. And, yeah, Brian, just like you said, it, it, it's all relative because I'm on any, any of them two, three times a day. And, and the adaptability has to be there. And it, admittedly, you know, I also have a Zoom platform that I use that I can still bring a Teams call into it, uh, you know, just through the, the you know, windows or the, the uh, uh, web resources that are out there. So what's the experience? And I see organizations that are like in banking, in, in financial advisors, things like that, they tend to go towards Zoom 
because of that user experience. Now, everybody's adaptable too. So, well, I think they're, they're, they are, but one thing they're both doing well is they're kind of rushing towards that interoperability, right? To where if I have right. a Teams room, I can call it into a Zoom meeting and vice versa. Very, very much, I always describe it to people as, you know, I have an Android phone, but I can call somebody on, you know, an, I, an iPhone. No problems. My text may be a different color when we're texting, but there's, other than that, the, the, uh, we can still work together. And I, and I think that's kind of from an integrator standard side or even from someone that's out teaching people about the technology, that's more important than, you know, are you a Zoom house or are you a Teams house? It's like, can we all work together? Can I call into my client or my client call into me? Or can my team get together, whether that's, you know, Zoom, Slack, Teams, WebEx, Google Meetup. I think Facebook has something out there that they threw in just for, you know, why not? Everybody else is getting into it. Well, Zoom has the e the easiest user experience to understand out of the gate, right? And well, that's only because Teams keeps changing theirs, and you got to go hunt for it. <laughs> <laughs> right, because because Teams is a Microsoft product, which means that it is laden with features that people don't use or that they don't necessarily see the value in, right? Or the extracting the value of those features requires so much time that for you to put in that it's not actually worth it to put the time in to figure out what that value is. Whereas, you know, my 89-year-old aunt can get on a Zoom call. Right, right. And, and, and that has a lot of value, right? I mean, it, it's, it's like uh, I have a sister-in-law who's an editor. And the stuff that she does with Word, when I send her a document, it's just like, it's like whole, but it's all baked in there. And it, you can get really lost in it. But sometimes I just need to type a quick little thing. I don't need to, to, do, to do all of that other stuff. Um, yes. And I, if I may, I think the other aspect of this and this is not so much a zoom rooms versus a team rooms discussion it's the fact that we are on these platforms so often in our days and we're going from our phone to our tablet to a room to a laptop to a to a to a and the experience is not always the same on each one of those devices. How you access things is not always the same in each of those devices. Thus, that confusion I mentioned before could just be because I was on a tablet one moment and I'm on a laptop the next, okay? Or because I had to go from WebEx to Zoom to Teams back to Zoom, etc. We want that simplicity, but the enterprise still needs to manage that resource. So the justification that I could see in what's going on with, you know, what, what was purported in the, in that, that, you know, 70%. Um, yes, I do think it's valid in the enterprise. I just think they, they've got the monitoring and management tools. So. So as I mentioned earlier, so is this the cola wars of the eighties to where you'll, you'll, you know, they, they kind of get to a point where it's, Pepsi Coke, or is this more like the the search wars of the '90s, to where you know Google's sitting at like 93% of global search requests? Is one of these two going to beat out, or are we just going to live with both of them and hope they work well together? Uh, I don't think I don't think that Zoom is going away. 
right? Uh, it's 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 less it's less of both of those to me, and maybe more sort of like uh, I don't know. Um, trying to think of an analogy that's more accurate. Yes, you still have this behemoth, and the behemoth is still gonna have its footprint in enterprise. They've got the sales channels. They've got everything to own that. You know the Fortune five hundred, um, but you know. If we talk about North America, you still have uh, large masses of the economy that are small business, mm-hmm. right? And small business uses work Google Workspace. Small business uses things that are economical, and they don't necessarily have, they can't find a manager to just make this person take care of Teams rooms. So there's always going to be a need for a product that appeals to smaller businesses and I think Zoom is gonna Zoom can easily own that. I I think it's not so much the Cola Wars as it is feature flip. Yeah. One's gonna come out with a feature and the other one's gonna copy it or try to improve on it, and then they're gonna flip it around again and again and again. And I think that's actually a good thing because it, it continues to evolve. It, it continues yeah. to advance the technology and the concepts and things like that. Um, I do think it's going to be very focused on user uh, user experience uh, and and excellence in that user experience, and that's again this continuation of feature flip. But we also have that meeting equity uh, discussion that you know they're each going to bring their different concepts to that and how you access that and how you engage with that. Is, is going to become very valuable. So it's not, I don't think it's so much as platform standardization as it's going to be corporate communication needs and which one best suits with those needs. And then there's the aspect of how do I support it. And, you know, when uh, Bren's right, in the, in the small to medium-sized business, how are they supporting things? Well, I'm going to let it be Zoom's problem. I'm going to let them manage it in the cloud. And let's also not forget, Zoom is fully managed in the cloud. So if you're trying to utilize Zoom's meeting room control functions, which they're there, it's in the cloud. Whereas Teams is in the device itself in the room. So to get to that single pane of glass, you do have technology differences between those two. And I'm talking specifically about the Zoom rooms and the Microsoft Team rooms. Sure, sure. So, you know... Teams rooms, that, that control port, that control functionality of display, lighting, shades, etc., is actually in that UC device, whereas Zoom, it's up in the cloud. So there could be lag. That detracts from user experience. Also, that becomes harder to manage. So what's your difference. tolerance level, right? What's the your toler- what is your tolerance level? level? Exactly. Is this acceptable? I mean, we still use cell phones, and they still drop calls, and we still use cell phones, (laughs) right? They're actually really terrible at making phone calls. Everything else they do pretty well, but making phone calls. No, no, that's the smart side. That's the smart side. (laughs) And that's actually probably, you know, a a more, you think about, about cell phones, mobile providers, to me, that's probably a more apt comparison compared to the colas, Right. 
Like, there will not be a one single mobile provider. I mean, I live in Canada, which is a very small market compared to the U.S., and we don't have one single mobile provider. Uh, so I think this is the same. It, it won't be one company wins out altogether because I just think that the market is big enough uh, for there to be more than one substantial player. So Android versus iPhone. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the good news is, is then us as the users win, right? Because as they add features and they fight for that dominance, you know, I mean, right now we can be avatars in either one. And I know that's just incredible for everybody's meeting to be some cartoon caricature of themselves. It makes everything better. I don't see that one being corporately acceptable, but we move on. No, it's, no one cares. I did it a couple. It's fun for a little bit, and then everybody turns it back off again. So, um, yeah, yeah. not it's, to it's, mention putting a cat filter on. Right. <laughs> That's exactly no what one, I was thinking of. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> if we can make the meetings better, I'll use either one of them. If we can just get to the point, get the meeting done, so I can get on to doing what I need to do, uh, even though part of that is to have that meeting. Um, thank you guys very much for being here this week. Sure. I, I thought that was a a great conversation. I know, uh, you know, it gets pretty heated when you're talking that, that Zoom Teams thing. Um, but if we're, if we're stuck with both of them, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. And we can keep adding those features. Uh, Brent, yeah, if see, someone... I, feel, that's, I guess that's the thing, Brian. I never feel stuck when I use Zoom, right? But man... There, I've had moments when I've been traveling abroad and had a Teams meeting and it chewed up nearly a gigabyte of data. And I'm like, what the hell, man? You know? So anyway, that's just video that's quality. Just being a cranky designer. We got to get you a better data cap on your, on your plan when you're traveling. Oh, oh it's unlimited data. That's not the issue. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is you have one meeting and you see that number going, you're like, what? <laughs> Anyway, there's room for both. There's room for all of it. There's room for Avis and for Hertz, for Coke and for Pepsi, Android and iPhone. There's room for all of it. And maybe someone else can come in and shake it up a little bit. We'll see. It's tough. Maybe Those you two never are, know. They're pretty dominant. But, Brand, if someone wants to reach out to you and get a hold of you, where's the best place to uh, do that or how? Bren at Kirkguard.com or LinkedIn. You can find me, Brenda J. Walker. I found you today, so. Um, I don't do the Twitters or the threads or the X's it's, or any it's of that. X now. <laughs> the X. Yeah, still not getting my time. Until they pay me for content, I'm not coming. He's he's been sitting on X.com for like 30 years and been needing to to sell it to somebody, so he bought a company and sold it to them. I think. Bill, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Well, there's the bill.natris at buyant.com and the bill.natris out in the Twitterverse. And then there's the L. William Natris uh, in LinkedIn and the L. William part. That's my parents' fault. So <laughs> blame my mom and dad. So well, thank you again. What that L stands for? Oh, that's actually a neat little secret that few in the industry know, but when they do know it, they laugh. <laughs> All right, I gotta so find you, like, you for a drink at Infocom next year. <laughs> I'm thinking Leslie sounds good, but uh, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, worse. Well, <laughs> well, thanks again, Brandon, Bill, for being here, and thanks for everybody joining us uh, out there in the internets. 
Uh, don't forget to check out avnation.tv or any place you find your favorite podcast to find more episodes of AV Week. Or check out some other AV Nation podcasts, such as Architect, which has been uh, newly rebooted. There's a new host. I hear he's a really nice guy. And they talk about architects. They talk with architects about technology and the building industry. I hope you guys all have a great week, and we will see you next time. Hi, this is Jennifer Goodyear. And Erica Carroll. From, from the, the Women, women in, in AV, AV podcast, podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts.